Hello and welcome Harm and Ease. We are so excited to have you guys here for a chat. So today joining us, Harm and Ease, a modern rock and roll band originally founded in Burlington, Ontario. Um, I'm gonna leave the rest of the explaining to you guys because you have a very interesting backstory. So the first thing I want to ask you is, um, what is your, what are all of your maybe roles in the industry? Let's maybe start individually because there's four of you. So if we can talk about who each of you are and what your role is maybe in the band and then how the band came to be. Okay. All right, so I'm Danny. Um, Ryan and I started the band when we were like 12, 13 years old. And I play the guitar, he sings. Um, I guess if I'm gonna fast forward to what I do today in the band, um, I play guitar in the band as well. Um, I'm one of the songwriters and also producer and recording most of the time we're recording here in, like with me and Alex, our drummer, Ryan. So yeah, I'm Rylan Whalen. I'm, like Danny said, we founded the band together uh, over a decade ago now. Um, I'm a, originally I was just the singer, but now I'm, I'm song, we've always been the songwriter. So a singer, songwriter, I, um, I play guitar, I play piano and stuff, but mostly when we perform, I just sing, but um, lyricist too, I don't know, I do a bit of everything. You cook too. I do cook, I'm cooking right now actually. <laughs> I'm making soup. Uh, <laughs> Very important, eating. <laughs> My name is Alex Hamnett, and I play drums in the band. Um, as Danny said too, I do a lot of the audio engineering and production work as well, um, as well as songwriting. We all work on the songwriting together, and yeah, that's, that's my role these days. Hi, John. Hi, nice to meet y'all. Uh, I'm John Goodblood. I'll play guitar, I'll play bass, I'll write, I'll sing. Um, <laughs> I'll do a handstand <laughs> and uh, that's about it. Yeah. Do I do anything else? He does a little bit of it all. There we yeah. go. He does a little bit of everything. And I joined three years ago. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So yeah. I'll give you, yeah, you go. Sorry. For sure. Go ahead. I was just going to ask a little bit more about your history because I know you guys have lived in a lot of different places and obviously that's a huge part of your history. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I was born in Colombia, and when I was about two years old, I moved to the States, to Miami, and I lived there till I was about 11, 12, and that's when I moved to Burlington, and, um, and I met Alex and Rye. We went to, like, I went to the same school as Alex. He actually, like, introduced us. Yeah, and we were looking for a singer. We started, like, a, like this little metal band at first, and we wanted a singer and introduced us to Rye, and um, so, yeah, that's how we all met originally, and then... This is when I was about 13 and when I was 16, my family had to leave Canada. We had to, we had to go back to South America. And um, so in that moment, we didn't know what was gonna happen or when we'd see each other again. But Rai, after like a year or two, decided to move to Argentina to keep the band alive because we were just like trying to keep the band going through like long distance and just like Skyping and writing songs on Skype. I was living in Argentina and he was still in Canada. And when he came to visit um, for the first time, I guess, after being there for a bit, we, we got a lot of attention there. We got put on different, we went on radio stations and stuff and the band started getting a lot, like noticed a bit. So then Rye came back to Canada, finished high school. And when he did, he fully just moved out to Argentina to like continue chasing our dreams. And cause I wasn't able to come here. And then that's where we ran into John. 
John's from Argentina. We met him on the street corner. He was busking, playing the blues, and uh, wow. singing. He was singing in English. That sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's actually it's how it's totally yeah. true. Oh my god, that's awesome, guys. <laughs> he was this is like a really who's this guy? This is a really famous street corner in Argentina. It's just like one of the main like uh, subway like stations and stuff, you know. And it's like got a yeah, it's kind of like a big the corner and I remember my first time I just like walked out of the station I was new in Argentina and I just see this guy with like long curly hair singing in English and I was like it, I was just like whoa how, who is this guy like how do you do this yeah how do you speak English <laughs> so well like and then he was wearing a suit and everything we we're like what the hell and, yeah um after <laughs> that yeah and then we ended up just like busking for a couple years like around seeing running into each other in different little areas till we finally just decided to yeah. hang out one day if i may if i may intervene like it's kind of cool I, I like how you, you guys are kind of trying to focus on the story edge of the band a little bit because it is fairly interesting like to consider like usually bands you know they'll like start like in this case these guys did start like in high school but usually it's like you know we like and we started in high school and we stayed in the same town forever and then we put out a record it's like usually kind of the same vh1 behind the music kind of story or like mm -hmm. the people kind of keeps them like doing things and it's like there was, yeah they're all brothers it's like the first almost like <laughs> the first entire decade of this band is like fully independent and there was nobody like uh no like you know talent scout being like you kids are gonna be stars you know you head to the top that did not did not happen it was it was just the will of young kids wanting to create music yeah just at all costs mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. i mean clearly you traveled a really far way to stay yeah. together and keep the band together it's wild <laughs> basically after the band got settled in argentina for a bit um we ended up just getting lots of attention there and we started touring Argentina we got an Argentine manager and then we kind of just decided to stay there for a bit because the band was growing so much and just we wanted to make our way back to Canada when we could but we needed it's going to take some time so we just try to make the best out of it and we ended up doing a lot in Argentina actually and released two albums over there and we did a lot of good stuff and then in 2019 I guess or end of yeah 2019 was when we fully we made a we made this video and raised enough money to get the whole band into Canada, and so that was like our first step because we were kind of feeling like we needed to get the music into North America because we were singing in English and we were in the South American. We kind of just we hit a limit. We just we we weren't getting the same opportunities other other bands down there that were like fully Argentine and and sang mm -hmm. in Spanish. So and we just uh, we hit we just hit a certain limit and we couldn't get past it. We. And we just, we always wanted to come back to Canada. That was kind of the goal, but it just, it just it took, took forever. Finally, we, we got it figured out and we came back 2019 and we made a record here in Hamilton, Ontario last year with, um, actually it's been two, that's yeah, two years. Yeah. Um, with Dominic John Davis, who's uh, Jack White's bass player. And we ended up, yeah, that was like the coolest shit ever because we're all big Jack White fans. And um, so after that, we ended up, that full record was done like on, um, Tape. on tape just was, like no in, the, in that track. studio they uh, recorded a lot of um the city and color albums too so that was pretty cool we, we we were really influenced by him like way back in the day it was just a lot of cool it was a cool studio very cool oh man i'm so interested with the fact that you guys recorded the entire album analog can you um because our podcast is focused on young and emerging um musicians and artists can you maybe just explain what analog or tape is and then tell us why you decided to record that way uh, well, we can talk about like the difference now nowadays with studio, home studio technology, uh, digital. There was the emerge like the emergence of uh, digital way of recording music. But back in the day, like before the, approximately the late 
1970s, early 1980s, you would record to tape, as in you would have a limited amount of tracks. Alex, you feel free to intervene yeah. whenever you want. Whatever it is. <laughs> and uh, but when we decided, when we wanted to do, like we knew Kath, uh, Catherine, Catherine North, North yeah. Studios had had like a, a very specific. They had the technology to do it correctly, to do the analog recording correctly, and basically we had to play live in a, in, in a room together without having that much. Um, availability to uh, to edit digitally yeah. later right mm -hmm. there was only a limited amount of tra uh, tracks and you were it was more there's focused. no going back and like fixing a, mm -hmm. a certain you, you can things. only only to a certain yeah. point yeah to you gotta a, get the tape yeah. down to like just it's more about uh, in interpreting and, and it's just it's a dying like uh art form in a sense yeah. it's so much easier now we, to to record digitally and we basically it cost a, a little bit did it for ourselves though because it's like some of our favorite records and bands we're from the 60s and 70s and recorded in this way and we wanted to do it just ourselves to just yeah. it was something we always wanted to do and just just to ourselves the, and if there was any, anybody that could curate it properly it was probably dominic because he had already done this on a professional scale with you know jack and willie nelson and yeah they record lots of records and, 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 on tennessee, tape. and tennessee they go to 24 track yeah, they use a lot of analog there like we had a moment we were recording we wanted to do something and then we couldn't because there wasn't enough channels you know and that like that's like the moment where you're like whoa we're actually doing this on tape because yeah. nowadays if you're just in a studio you can just do whatever you want with as many channels as you want to, if you have you can save all the takes you want of a vocal take whereas when you're going to tape you kind of you have to commit to the one that, that, that you're choosing yeah so like on the record there's like 11 songs 12 songs mm -hmm. and some of them like I, I think there's at least one or two that are like the first or second take that we just played it and we we're like that was it a lot of them are mostly like the fifth or sixth take where we got a nice take. And then from there, we were just like, that's the one. We'll work on that one. But there's not much you can do after you finish the take. You know, it's just you can do some overdubs and stuff. So, the track is all yeah, there. You got you to gotta rehearse a lot and make sure you want know what you want in the songs before yeah, that, you get to the studio. That's like the biggest thing yeah. compared to like yeah. nowadays, if you go into the studio, you can just start like creating more in the studio and like digitally you, it's easier yeah. than when you're you doing it You can delete whatever ideas you have and... I don't know. It's, it's just, it's harder on tape for sure, but it's a different, it's a different quality of sound and it's, uh, yeah, we just, we, we wanted to, it was something we always wanted. It was to just do. a project. Like right now we're working on newer songs and we're taking a different approach, but that's mm -hmm. what we wanted to go for last year. And we thought like it was, it was right for the sound that we were going for at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so aside from like rehearsing and knowing kind of what you want when you go into the studio to record analog, um, do you guys have any other advice for some artists that might be thinking about recording analog now that you guys have done it? <laughs> like I said, just uh, rehearse your songs and, and try to make sure you know what you want. You want to do it that way. In, in the song, yeah. <laughs> make, make up your mind. I don't know. <laughs> I would say um, in like fully like my best advice would be to not go fully um straight 100 on tape you can you, there's a way to do both digitally and on tape you can record on tape and bring it into a computer which is probably the best of both worlds and if you're looking into doing it that way i think that's like if you, you want to record on tape mixing it a little bit digitally would make your life so much easier just because we do have technology nowadays to make things easier fans were doing it this way because they didn't have technology to do it so we can use mm -hmm. advantage of it but if you want to keep that sound that you're looking for, you can still do it with tape. Just I try would, to mix it I, a bit. I would say as a, an observation that you, if you're going to go to the endeavor of, of doing something like recording on tape, you need to remember that all the musicians that were doing this at the time when it was the only technology available, whatever, listen to like uh, Kind of Blue by Miles Davis, the, the musicians that were playing on it, 
these weren't some these weren't just like home hobby musicians these were people who lived and breathed music and were playing you know the the eight days a week no pun intended it wasn't easy to get into a studio at that time so so by the time that a musician got in the studio to record an analog tape in the columbia studios you were so uh, ready these were the top top tier motherfuckers so like uh be prepared in not in just a general sense like understand what that means being really prepared for that yeah yeah i wouldn't suggest recording on tape for your first album either i mean use what you have essentially but if it, i mean if there's that yeah anyone can do it you know, if, you're, if you want to do it do it there, there's there's ways you can and you'll find people that are still doing it there's some records out there that were done like by like you know say like uh, the stooges like e pop and the stooges like they were such a live band they were so well oiled and rehearsed that when they went to the studio it just exploded you know and that's when it just works best when it's just such a well oiled unit being being captured and good, good interpretations you know in spite of the imperfections mm. for sure um could you guys speak a little bit also to how important it is to find the right producer and how you go about doing that maybe from a young band's perspective all right. Well, that's a good question. Like we've worked with lots of producers and have had lots of different experiences and we haven't found like our producer yet or anything. And that's where like, I guess we're producing our tracks right now, mostly, but finding the right producer is extremely important. Um, how to go about that, I guess, is just by trial and error. A lot of it, you know, like I now know that the next person we work with, the certain things I'm looking for, you know, I'm guessing like um, if it's your first time trying to find a producer, like try finding someone that's working already on similar genres that you're looking for. And someone that's interested. Yeah, someone that's interested, but someone that also like works on certain things that you're looking for. Because some like there's all sorts of producers. You can't just find someone that does any genre. You know what I mean? That's important, if especially if you're looking for someone to do arrangements on your music and you're going to trust them to grab your music and work on it. You're going to want to find someone that, you look up to or that you like the work they already do you know that's like because we've obviously when you start a band you might just go for the first person that talks to you kind of thing because you're just like a producer sure but then you're not gonna get the same results probably and it's gonna affect your work you know a producer can really change everything about your sound and that can mess up or bring lots of good things to your to your sound so yeah I guess just like for me, I guess trial and error, trying to find different people, meet up with different producers, like have writing sessions, work with them, see how it, how it flows and stuff. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think um, like a good, something for a producer would be like a good connection with the person, somebody who who has a connection with your music well, and, and appreciates exactly. Appreciates Obviously, it, if, you, if you have a if you have a producer that um, but also really also if you can like flow on a creative level together with them, um, like. An, in terms of like bouncing ideas off of each other and um, yeah sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't mm. like, i remember like what danny's saying is trial and error like a lot of things. we one of the best things about a producer i guess that we learned of working with big producers is just like the way they work with the artist and how they can like bring the best out of the artist you know so yeah. if you're working with someone that you feel like is bringing the best out of you and most of the time like it's not an obvious thing they're not just like telling you what to do you know that's where the magic is when the producer is like getting it out of you naturally and they know that they're doing it but they're not going like do this they're just telling you like hey let's try try this this. think about this think about that 
and then they'll get to where they're trying to get to without having to say it and that's like the most magical moment when a producer like can work with the artist without having to like tell them what to do exactly but working with the way that they like to work and now with Ciccarelli so yeah like Ciccarelli we worked with Joe Ciccarelli which is a big producer who's recorded Elton John, Frank Zappa, The Killers, B2 and we did a single with him and yeah inside the room like it wasn't it was just a, the way he was managing the energies and the way he was like helping us guide us through the song it, was, it wasn't so direct you know it wasn't like guys try this it was more like it was more about feeling things out and getting us in the right vibe and maybe, maybe like playing something over many times before even starting to click record and changing and trying new things and stuff like that and from there is where like the cool ideas start to like come out naturally you know where it's like try this maybe try it a little bit faster and see what happens and then you're like whoa that that actually was great you know and like little things like that that end up happening that's like that's where a producer i think shines yeah uh i think about that question a lot what, what a lot of a lot of the time i was reading the other day about how for example about how chili peppers they all, almost all their most famous work they did with rick rubin but then mm -hmm. 2016 they stopped danger and mouse. they went for danger mouse and it was a whole other kind of experience after knowing that like it's not that the you know it's like they could have just gone if it ain't broke don't fix it you know like they don't can't stop and uh, you know snow hail dan california uh, under the bridge all the, the biggest all hits their biggest all hits they mm -hmm. Rick Rubin so they might as well just kind of get, but they kind of had after so many years they kind of went for Danger Mouse and like and it actually went great that's June Dark Necessities is like yeah. as big as anything and that was like a good a good move on their part sometimes it can go like how Danny said it's like kind of a little bit of a tightrope double-edged sword thing go very well or very wrong like I was reading yesterday about how um, this country artist named Waylon Jennings, he they, he they tried to produce him in a slick, what they called countrypolitan style. Chet Atkins tried to make him like a super slick artist, but he was like, no, I got to make like the music of the honky tonk. So we had to like dip like and leave from that whole like slicked out scene and, and forge his own ground, right? So you're always kind of as an, as an artist and from our perspective, it's like we're we're a band right so we're musicians and we're together and like we're we produce our own content but we also got to be open towards production you kind of got to uh, dance that fine line between being able to accept what other people are pitching you but also being confident enough and where, where the to times rest, are at too it's a, to, to defend what you do and what you've always done you know mm -hmm. so you, like, you gotta, gotta try like, to stay relevant yeah. yeah that's what i would say oh my goodness amazing advice um switching gears a little bit Something that I noticed about you guys is your style and that kind of bleeds in from like a viewer's perspective, that kind of bled into everything for me, for you guys, like your music, your videos, your, the clothes you wear, um, it's all super cohesive. So I'm wondering how important is style when it comes to branding and when it comes to creating a cohesive image and how does that help you? Well, I think it kind of happens naturally. Yeah, I like... think over time we kind of all your styles just kind of blend and they start to naturally blend like i think early on in our career we there were some members that maybe were me and danny have always kind of dressed similar like at the beginning it was just us but then we'd add other members in and maybe they were at different points in their life or they just like different things and and it just didn't like aesthetically yeah it, it wouldn't fit and uh, people might be like oh that guy looks a little off because he's dressed you know he, look, yeah. he looks like a substitute teacher or something or, or wearing khakis and like or uh, basketball jersey. yeah basketball jersey something weird that just doesn't really vibe with it and over time you i guess you just realize what works and 
I think it's important. It's important because like, you know, when you see us like walk in somewhere together and it's like the whole Beatles thing or the Stones mm -hmm. thing, you know, it's kind of like, well, they're wearing suits or whatever. They're wearing that. Like we kind of have our own styles. Like if you really looked into each of us, it's not like we're all matching perfectly, but there's something that like ties it all together. And that also has to do with just the fact that we've known each other for half our lives and we've been making music together and we end up, we live together, we work together all the time. And it's like, you become similar people. We also right? love but, rock and roll. Yeah, we I all mean, love rock and roll. We, if we were all rappers, we would be dressed completely differently. On that note, I think that brings up like the idea of like, uh, uh, music has always been this thing of like authenticity, you know, like uh, of being authentic, right? Like like when grunge happened, Kirk Cobain came like with his, like looking like a, a standard kid. And that was like a real thing that didn't mean that, that didn't mean the same thing as the glam metal thing. But he was thinking about his image too. Or like you would see the Ramones and the Ramones, like they actually dress all the same. They wore leather jackets and Converse and they look the same. They have shades on or, and, or, you know, Angus Young, he wore the, um, the schoolboy school uniform, yeah. all the, all these things. Like they all uh, deal with the notion of like, uh, a presentation of a band right and uh, those things can be enduring and what you said at the beginning uh cohesive was that what you said yeah. yeah it's it's all in that pursuit right of just being a cohesive constant artistic like force to be for me it's, it's also like like you were saying about branding the band and all that if you like going back to like seeing us outside of like this is how we like we wake up and we're like we're full-time harmonies you know it's not like we're like we have we have jobs in the day and then we like put this clothes on when we get off work and we're like now we're in a band it's like this is we live together in this crazy house called the house of ease and this is just us right we're all just like this is the way we wake up and we're just into harmonies kind of thing but it's just us but when you see us outside and people just see us they're like who are those guys you know so like then like it does it really help the band because it does call a lot of attention you I know we're not just average or just like at live shows and for like we might tone it up a bit at certain things. Like, I like we played a Halloween show and we all put on like crazy makeup. And that I mean, that's not essentially just harmony. Like, or sorry, it's not Halloween all the time. But I don't know. You you can just you don't have to wear things that shock people. But you know, have fun with it and yeah, be yourself. But it's not it's not like we got face tats or anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing wrong with that though. I love it. Well, you guys look good. I love it. I love the style. It's so good. Um, okay. I want to talk group dynamics here because it's not very often you get to talk with a group of a band that's been together for as long as you guys have. And now, I mean, we're finding out that you all live together too. So I'd love to hear from each one of you, just maybe um, some ideas or advice or just your thoughts on how to keep a group of people working together without murdering each other. <laughs> Friends, Murder is such an important part of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Before in with the guys or whoever you're moving in, you, yeah, make sure you're a bit, you know each other. You can be friends. Like, yeah, like that's something I remember when I, we were in Argentina and I'd meet other bands, we'd be on tour and stuff. A lot of these bands you'd meet, they're like, they'd have people in the band who weren't really friends, you know? They're just like, they'd see each other maybe at band practice once or every two weeks. Or maybe they just, they're session players that would meet at a show only, you know? And those bands, like, I can just tell when you see them, like they could not live together, you know, or like I, I can just see the way, like maybe them being on tour, how hard it must be. Cause they're like, so different. they're different people, you know, and they haven't like, I think it's, it's not an easy thing or it's not an easy thing to find a group of people that you can just move in with and make music and not want to hate it, like kill each other. Like, that's like, 
I think it's like it's very rare. It's I extremely think. rare that this is mm-hmm. right now. And it took a very long time too. It's not like like harmonies. Ryan and I have been in the band since we were like 12, 13 or whatever, but it's gone through lots of different like there's been different members and um and you people know, that you want to murder in the well, band. For well, that's like then. the people that are in the band now. It's like we're we're all here because we want to be here, and because we all we all treat each other well. It's and it's not to say like some of these past members weren't treated well, but some you some of these members just didn't see eye to eye with certain things that we saw the band going with, or or just different. I don't. They're just personalities can clash sometimes. So just it's it's important to find like minded people and. And, um, it's also important yeah, to find people who want to work, you know, because there's a different thing between being in a band with people who all want to work or people who just want to be in a band for the reason of being in a band or because mm-hmm. you're friends. That's another thing. Like you start a band when you're kids and then you just have this person in your band who's your friend, but he's not doing the job anymore, but he's still your friend and you don't want to let him go kind of thing. That's another problem in lots of bands, you know? So like, I think it's like, to find the right crew of people and decide like I'm gonna move in and work with these guys is not an easy and it might thing, not right? you, you might not get it first try. It is probably gonna go through maybe some different formations, like mm-hmm. whatever. If if even you know not even with bands, but with with anything you do in life, you're just gonna meet new people and meet like choose the people that that work well with you and, and it's it's about teamwork. Really. It's yeah, and it's important to like do like have your space. You know, like we all have some our own space. That's important. And like yeah. be able to work on whatever you want to work on and not always have like, you know, we all we're all together so much that it's important to have some space, especially if you're living with these people and like making music, touring, like you share not just your work, but your day to day life. It's like a lot. Yeah, it's important to have some space. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would just say uh, I, it's we love what you do. You know, we love what we do. We love making music and making music together. And uh, thankfully, like through my experience i think making music has allowed me to exercise like my own demons in life like at times in which i feel like i want to murder somebody i'm I'm like oh wait i get to make music that's like my life i make music so i that's very therapeutic and like and it purges all that shit away and i would say that kind of like uh all you guys kind of feel that way too that like we we love what we it's do. therapeutic mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's always key like work on your relationships with each other and yeah patience yeah. <laughs> keep those kind of things in mind <laughs> snack communication breaks. snack break is important yeah Stay snack high. did you say snack breaks yes yeah <laughs> honestly it totally it's so true um how important snack breaks really are <laughs> i have seen that gone go awry in it's- many a situation He's a hangry man. <laughs> you get your sleep. Sleep too. Yeah. Sleep. Uh, sleep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh. Great advice, guys. Go ahead, Maddie. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lisa and I also wanted to ask you a little bit about your live videos. Oh my goodness. Um, what is your process for taking a song from one of your albums and then putting it into a live context? How does it differ from the recorded version? It's just the live version, right? I think it's that, well, when you play live at a concert, you mean? Yeah, like, do you guys, do you guys play the songs exactly like how they're on the record or do you um, change uh, things? We try to play as close as we can. No, it depends. Well, it depends. But, it's not, 
Well, things change. I mean, after a time. Yeah. yeah you I, can. Sometimes you'll record something, and, and then, then the later on you'll you'll add something to it, and then you you play it better with time. So like, I don't know, at a concert, the first time you play it, it might not be so tight, and then over time you just find it works. So yeah, maybe it might sound a little bit different than the recording when you made it because that was. I think, yeah, I think, I think you want to try this. A lot of times, song. lives we also try to add like other things, like like intros and. and yeah, like it's the whole like theater movie yeah. thing, you know. Like yeah. you know, if you're gonna watch a movie that's recorded professionally, you go to the movie theater. You're expecting like a super edited movie, right? So if you're like at home and you just released a new record and you're listening to it, you expect it to be like a super proper record. If you go to a live theater and you're seeing like stand up or you're seeing an improvisation kind of thing or someone going up and doing like a play, there's way more space for like improv and new things to happen. So like our show, like it would just be like super lame if you went and just heard the exact same thing as our record. It'd be like, well, I could have done that at my house. I just turned on my record. <laughs> like we do want the Sonic to make it sound closest to the record, but we want to make something that's right. I mean, the experience a little different so that when you go to the show, you can only get that experience at our show. And then you'll be like, oh, fuck, I, when I go home, I listen to them. It's not the same, but I'm, I want to go to the next show because I have all those little things, those extra, like the longer solo or the like new intro or the like extended outros or whatever, you know, like. I, that's I think that's an important part about like Dude, I, miss, I miss it so much. Yeah, I miss it so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, killing stuff. us. Just like watching videos of us playing live shows, it's just like sitting eating ice cream, like crying. <laughs> that audio of a show, or one of the last, the last show we did in Argentina. Oh my god! Yeah, it was just like oh my goodness. Listen, listen to those screaming, enjoying, adoring people. Yeah, we got our sound guy sent us like a week ago, like, guys, look what I found. He had like went and taken from the soundboard the last show we did in Argentina. And he's just like sent an email, said last show in Buenos Aires. And it was like it was such an emotional show. It was crazy because we were there for five years and we did so much. And I like even that show, I remember like we pulled up from sound check. We finished sound check and we came back to the show uh, to get ready to play or whatever. And there was just this line going across like so far outside of the club and we got out of the cab and like everyone's clapping outside because it was our last show and stuff and i remember just looking at that going like this is what we did here you know this is what we did in these like five years and like we had to sneak in a bunch of our friends because like the show was sold out immediately and the line was so long there's people like screaming like you won't get in the show and we had to sneak in a bunch of our friends it was craziness and like yeah we got the audio to that show and just hearing all the little in-between talking to each other and what we say to the yeah, crowd. Especially in this context right now. Right now, yeah. No shows, you know? It almost seems, like, unbelievable, like, listening to how it was, how many yeah. people were there, and how, like, normal that was, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh so much great advice. Thank you guys so much for um, being here with us and sh sharing some of your history and your... Um, experience and wisdom. We really appreciate having you guys here. And the last thing I wanted to ask you, we usually ask all of our guests, um, as you know, it's geared towards youth. What would be, um, maybe from each of you, what would be your one piece of advice for young artists starting out um, today? John? <laughs> uh, my piece of advice to, for young artists starting out today, uh, follow, follow your creativity follow what you feel feel inside i would say when whatever you're doing and the music you're making 
Um, first and foremost, please yourself. Like do something you like and want to do, but understand that you have, you know, you kind of got to work with what a, like society wants a bit too. You know, you gotta, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a little give and take. You can't always have exactly what you want, but you should feel comfortable with what you put out and be happy with it and not regret it. I would say to trust yourself as much as like, like sometimes you'll get an idea and you're like, is this even good? Or, you know, like, or am I even good at what I'm doing? Just trust yourself. Like, yes, yeah. you are. Keep doing and it. The, Keep writing kind of the, thing. Like, like your first song is not going to be your best song ever. And your second song, maybe it won't either. You know, it's, it's just, it's all put in the work. Here, yeah. It's going to keep going. Keep writing keep caring and about you keep it doing it and then the next thing you know it's been like three years and you actually have a, a you know a full album ready to record and it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing but you know just time and persistence and dedication from you mm -hmm. so awesome thank you guys so much wow <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yay we really appreciate you guys doing this yeah so good and it was really great to, I, I listened down through your um your latest album and i'm yeah. super digging it and a bunch of your other oh, signals yeah. but yeah loving the analog of thing course. can't believe you guys decided to do a full record that way <laughs> <laughs> hardcore it was nuts but yeah, yeah. New, lots of new music coming out so stay tuned oh for sure i'm all of our our audience is gonna can't wait to hear what you guys are going to put out and we can't either thank you so much for being here with us and yeah, i hope you guys have a great rest of your night sweet cheers cheers, cheers. Thank you. sweet